welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. 2 Samuel chapter 5, let's begin at verse number 20. And David came to Baal Prism, and David smote them there and said, The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of water. you ever seen a, a, a breach of water? Did you ever see the videos where the water comes over a levee or a dam breaks? You're not stopping it. Anything that gets in its way, it's, you ever seen the tsunami videos? It's just, it's devastating. Nothing can hold it back. That's what he said. He said, as the breach of waters. Amen. Therefore, he called the name of that place Belperism. And there they left their images. Everybody say they left their gods. Amen. I'm not going to preach on this, but just going to say this. When they found all their idols left laying around, David and his men burned them. Let me help you. Don't ever pick up for trophies the things your enemies worshipped. All right, you just don't pick it up. You burn it. Get rid of it. Amen. Amen. And David, uh, and, uh, let's go down verse 22. And the Philistines came up yet again, so the second time, and spread themselves in the valley of Rephim. And David inquired of the Lord, and he said, uh, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass about behind them, and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And let it be, when thou hearest the sound, everybody say the sound, when thou hearest the sound of a going, amen, in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself, for then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so, and the, as the Lord had commanded him, and smote the Philistines from Geba until uh, they come to Gezer. Amen. Listen to verse 24 again. Let it be. This is God saying, let it be. When thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself. When thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees. I want you to stir yourself. Amen. For then shall the Lord go out before thee and smite the host of the Philistines. Amen. And I want to preach, amen, because like 90% of you weren't there. So, amen. And, and hopefully the other 10% don't remember it. I want to preach on this thought. I hear the sound of a going. I hear the sound of a going. Let's pray together right now. Jesus, I thank you for your everlasting word. I thank you for the people and the family of God. I pray, Lord, that you would once again open our understanding, God. Give us clarity. Give us direction and strength and encouragement, God. Lord, I pray that you would help us rally the troops, oh God. 
to see an even greater victory in this city and in our families and in our lives. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, we give you the praise. Amen. And let's just thank the Lord for a moment. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I hear the sound of a going. Tell somebody else, tell them, I hear a sound of a going. Amen. You can be seated. Praise God. Amen. David had waited a little over 20 years, about 20 and a half years, from the time that uh, he had been anointed by the prophet Samuel until the crown was placed upon his head. He had waited some 20 years. We, knew, we remember that day. It's etched in our memories, as the Bible account gives it, that the Lord had told Samuel, I'm done with Saul, and I want you to go, and I want you to anoint a new king. And so the Lord told the man of God to go down to the house of Jesse, uh, an insignificant man in an insignificant part of the kingdom. And he said, I want you to go there, and, and one of his sons I have chosen to be king of Israel. And so, you know the story how that the prophet goes in, and there Jesse makes his sons, beginning with the eldest, to pass by him. And uh, all accounts given of these young men, they were handsome young men, they were strong young men. They were young men of good courage. Yet time after time as they passed before him, if you would, a man, he was examining them uh, almost like a piece of cattle, looking at their shoulders, looking at, at their arms, looking at their teeth, looking at their features. Would this person be a great representative of the nation of Israel? But one after another, God tells Samuel, that's not the one. And so Samuel turns to Jesse and says, do you have another one? One by one this happened until the last son had walked out of the room. And Samuel is, is very confused because God did not place his hand upon any of these young men. And then Samuel says to Jesse, surely you, you've got another son. Uh, th this can't be all because God sent me here specifically for one of your boys and none of these are them. And then Jesse, as an afterthought, says, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I've got one, but you're, you're not talking about him. Um, he's a little, you know, he's a little special. You know, he's, he's you know, he's different. And uh, surely, you know, he's a daydreamer. I mean, he's, he's most content being out in the field playing his harp and singing to sheep. Surely, he's not, he's not king material. He, you know, he's a little, he's a little different. Uh, prophet, surely you're not talking. Take another look at my oldest. Look at his shoulders. Look at, look at the thirdborn. He's got good straight teeth. He'll represent the kingdom really well. That was a big deal back in them days. Amen. And uh, he'll represent our kingdom really well. And uh, he says, no, no, I, I need to see this youngest boy. And so the father says to the, one of the sons, 
uh, somewhat exasperated. Go fetch. That's what the script. Go fetch your brother, as if he was just some some casual afterthought. And and so he runs into the field and says uh, to David, "You need to come in. Father wants to see you." And David, unaware of what's in the room or or uh, the magnitude of the moment, he just comes casually strolling in and somewhat excited to be invited into the house. He was such a, a bit of an outcast, being the youngest male of that family, and he walks in to find the prophet uh, standing there with a horn of oil. And as soon as he walked in, God spoke and said, "That's the one." And Samuel reasoned in his heart and said, "Surely God, this is not the one. He ain't but a lad. He's about anywhere between fourteen to sixteen years of age. Surely." This is not going to be the next king of Israel. After all, he's a little short. He's a little stubby. He's kind of got a ruddy complexion. Uh, he doesn't just represent well the kingdom. And look, after all, he's, you know, Saul is head and shoulders taller than everybody else. You're going to at least want the next king to be bigger and taller than Saul. And God speaks to the prophet and he says, but see, you're looking at the outside, but I'm looking at the inside. Last time, Y'all chose a king based on his physical features, but I'm going to choose a king based on his features of his heart and of his soul and of his spirit. Because while Saul was out there and he was numbering his animals and how powerful and wealthy he is, here's this kid out in a shepherd's field strumming his harp, singing love songs and poetry to me. And so I, I want a king that loves me and not the throne. I want a king that loves me, amen, and not the power. I, I, I want a king that's so in love with me and my word that he's still thrilled to be in my presence. And David would write and sing, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. David was like that young, excited new convert who couldn't wait for the doors of the church to be open. David was like that young, excited new believer who didn't know they weren't so supposed to run the aisles on a slow song and didn't know they weren't supposed to cry on a fast song. He was just so happy to be in the house of God. Amen. That arms and legs went every different direction when they sang about praising him in the temple. And he said, oh, I was glad when that... He, God said, I want a king that's not over the wonder of who I am. That that has not gotten callous to my touch and my presence in my kingdom. I want to tell you one of the most dangerous things we can do as believers is to get casual with the presence of God. As if God owes us his presence. As if God should be thrilled that we show up on Sunday. Or God should be happy that I went the extra mile, amen, to pray this morning. Amen. God's looking for somebody that really loves him. That truly is infatuated and overwhelmed with his mercy and his love. And so David, sometime after that. Amen. Well, let me back up because the, the prophet then pops the cap off the horn of oil and he just dumps it on top of his head. And, and there's not much grand ceremony, Brother Strickland, giving it to it that we know of. He just pops the cap and says, you the man, and starts pouring it on top of his head in the presence of his brethren who most certainly hated him at this point. Uh, we'll find out their disdain for him in just a few months after this as there is a nine and a half foot giant standing in the valley and who is cursing the God of heaven and defying the armies of the living God. And David uh, runs there as a DoorDash delivery boy. 
David was Uber Eats. He shows up. He literally was. He shows up with some packed lunches and, and uh, he walks up to the battlefield not knowing exactly what's going on, but he's a young man. He's a teenager. He is anointed to be king after all. And, and he's thinking to himself, why, why, why are we, the people of God, hiding and cowering in ditches? What in the world is wrong with him? And he starts handing out uh, supper to, or lunch uh, to his brother. They don't even tip him as far as I know. And, 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 and he looks at them and he says, uh, um, why, why are you hiding down here? Why isn't somebody going to go out and fight that big old ugly man? Why, why doesn't somebody jump? Don't you know who you are? And then his brother said, hey, why don't you shut up? We know the naughtiness of your heart. We don't want you getting involved in this, you little punk. Go home and run back to mama. And then something got up in the crawl of David. And, and, and David said, wait, wait, wait a second. If I'm ever going to lead this kingdom, I, there's got to be a kingdom. And so I'm, I'm not going to just let this go down like this. It, it ain't happening like this. Not on my sundial. Amen. It ain't going to happen like this. And so he, he says, I'll fight the giant. You know the story. Saul tries to give him his armor, uh, but the armor doesn't fit. So he, he lets Saul know. He said, you know, I, I killed a bear with my hands and I, I killed a lion with my hands. And, and if God delivered me from the mouth of a lion and a paw of a bear, surely God will deliver me out of the hand uh, of this uncircumcised Philistine. I, I don't have to be afraid of somebody, amen, that defies the armies of the living God and that little shepherd boy walking out there with some disdain color scarf, if you would, under his collar and poking up out of his neck. Certainly it was the same scarf uh, that he had around his neck when the prophet poured the oil upon his head and it, and it caught that. Let me tell you something. Don't take your anointing as a trophy and hang it up on a shelf or put it in a shadow box and Hang it up on the wall to show people. You need to wear that anointing. You need to use that anointing. You need to be that anointing. You need to work in that anointing. And so he walks out on the battlefield that day. And I know I'm not telling y'all anything you don't know. And, and he walks out on the battlefield. And as he's walking off, he's looking at, at an army full of... Uh, of uh, lily-livered, yellow belly, amen, bunch of cowards hiding there in the ditch. And, and he says, you know, I can't believe all you punks down here while this man is defying the armies. Don't you know who you represent? Don't you know who your God is? You're going to cower in front of a nine-and-a-half-foot giant. Don't you know that your God, the heavens, is his throne and the earth? You ought to be ashamed of yourself to send a kid to do a man's work. But listen, if you ain't man enough to do God's work, let this kid do God's work. And he walks out on the battlefield. He's not intimidated. He's not ashamed. He, he walks out there with an anointing around his neck and an assurance over his head that God is in control. He knew that if God anointed me to be king, if that giant was 50 foot tall, he still couldn't kill me because some of you need to get that kind of a revelation right now. You're so afraid you're going to die. You're so afraid that, that you're going to get that cancer or that stroke or that heart attack or you're going to lose that job and end up in a cardboard box under an overpass 
past. You're so afraid of all these. But you got to remember the anointing that God put on your life. And if you haven't seen God do what God's promised to do, then you ought to hold on to it and say, I'll face any giant you put in front of me. I'll march through any valley that lies in front of me. Because God is bigger. And, and, and then David, you know, he, he, he lets go of that rock and, amen, and it's a heat-sinking missile and it just, and it sinks right into the forehead of that bell, old ugly giant. And he staggers, but at least I like to think he staggered back and he did this a few times. You know, he's a big giant. That's the way I imagine, you know. And I can, I'd like to imagine the ground shook a little bit, amen, as he stepped in at nine foot six. He had to be, and a man of war, he had to be close somewhere about 450 to uh, uh, of almost 500 pounds to be a man of muscle. That's a, that's a lot of muscle coming at you, amen. And, and he could have been bigger, I don't know. And, and he staggered and he stumbled down and he fell, boom, and he hit the ground and the dust rose up from around his carcass and, and David saw there was still some twitching in his arms and, and there was still some movement in his feet and, and David did the right thing. He didn't stop there and start shouting and dancing and praising God for the victory. He, he knew that the battle was only halfway over and he realized that as long as my enemy still got some movement in him, he, he ain't dead. And, and so that young man went over there and he picked up a sword and it wasn't anybody so it was Goliath's sword and that thing had to weigh about 25 30 40 pounds and he picked it up never held a sword that we know of in his life it was awkward but he was anointed and he took the sword and he severed the head of that giant off of his shoulders I want to tell you something there are too many of us that live fighting the same old giant that we knock down every month every year every six weeks we rejoice over knocking it's time for you to pick up the sword and sever the head of that temptation. You're only going to get complete victory when you totally conquer your enemy. Amen. And, 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 and then, and then we, we see after that that, that the people loved David. And word got out that he was anointed to be the next king. So, so Saul, being a shrewd politician, uh, and it was a double... Uh, two-sided purpose for it. Uh, he wanted to show the people that he was treating David well, but at the same time, God had sent, God had sent, God had sent an evil spirit to torment Saul. And when that evil spirit would torment Saul, David would pull out his harp and he would start singing worship to the Lord. And when that would happen, that demon, that evil spirit would lift off of Saul because even a demon can't mess with a true worshiper. Oh, you can be going through hell. You can be in the middle of a battle. I'm not saying the devil won't mess with you, but if you need a reprieve, if you need some breathing room, just worship. And you don't even have to be at church to do it. You can do it in your car. You can do it in the living room. You can do it in the backyard. You, it doesn't matter. Just begin to worship the Lord from your heart. And that tormentor's got to lift. Amen. And, and, and so David, David is dealing with this and Saul in, in, in his murderous rage and, and jealousy and, and Saul's even disdain and hatred of God for removing his lineage from the throne of Israel tries to kill David. And so it's some 20 years that this goes on, the testing of Saul that, and David. And David never spoke against Saul. 
And David never tried to kill Saul. As a matter of fact, David let him live one time in a dark cave. David slipped up and he cut off the corner of his robe and stood back across the cave and called his name and said, I could have killed you if I wanted to, but you're God's anointed. And even though you're out of line, I'm still not going to touch you because I love God enough to love the anointed even when it's wrong. Hey, we don't do that in 2023. We just want to cut everybody we don't like. I'm not going there. It's not in my notes, but you can chew on it. It's free. And, and, and David, David had to wait 20 years, 20 years. He, 20 years from, from, from the pasture to the palace. 20 years of testing between the calling and the crown. Don't, don't get angry with God because you ain't got what you want when you want it. Oftentimes the test is more important than the goal because it's in the testing that he's making us. And so, so now, now uh, um, time has marched on. David has his own uh, group of soldiers of fortune or mercenaries. And the Bible said they were all discontented, distressed, and in debt. You talk about a club to hang out with discontented, distressed, and in debt. And that was his band of 300 mighty men. And they, they just hang out with him. Hey, you want to join our club? We don't, we're not happy. We're stressed out. And we're broke. Sure, sounds like a cause. I'll get in on that. Well, how much money you got? How about 200 bucks? Too rich. How much money you got? Nothing. Come on in. And David makes an army out of that. Then the day comes that Saul and Jonathan, Jonathan, the best friend of David, whom David loved like a brother, the day comes they die in battle. Some foolish young man thinking that he would win David over and, and get favor of the new king runs to David and tells him the news with a smile on his face and joy in his heart. And he says, David, I got good news. Saul is dead. And it broke David's heart and he screamed and he wailed and he pulled out his sword and he ran that young man through and killed him because his heart was so broken. He ripped his clothes and went into sackcloth and ashes, mourning the loss of Saul, the man that tried to kill him. He didn't mourn the man as much as he did the representative of God's authority and anointing in his life and, and then his best friend. And, and he would walk away after some days of grieving. And on top of it was Mount Gilboa. Amen. He says, Israel, how thy glory lay slain upon the heights. The one that was head and shoulders above everybody else. The one you wanted. The one that was the good looking one, the one that was the strong one, he lay slain upon the heights and, and David goes and him and his men and they take the bones of Saul and Jonathan and they give them a proper burial and it seems like the kingdom is about to step into a new era of light and favor but before it does uh, the first cousin of Saul by the name of Abner who is the commanding general of the armies of Israel decides uh, I'm not going to let that young man 
can take the crown. It belongs in the rightful house, and that's the house of Saul, the house of my family. And Abner takes the armies of Israel and goes after David, and a civil war begins over the throne of Israel. They begin to fight and kill one another as a civil war begins to outbreak until David finally subdues his own countrymen, until David finally defeats the armies of his own men, and Abner is killed. And only then can there be peace in the nation of Israel as all 12 tribes or city-states begin to unite under one crown and under one authority, and that is under the authority of King David. It had been 20 years since the oil had hit his forehead until the crown was placed upon his head. It had been 20 years since the slingshot went from his hand till now the sepulcher is placed in his hand or the scepter is placed in his hand and there he stands now as the united king of Israel, this great king in whom God had promised for 20 years he would set upon the throne of Israel. He has ascended and now all the tribes come and now they are paying obeisance to him and they are they are declaring their affinity for him and their loyalty to him and while this is happening and there's great rejoicing over the horizon you can hear the sounds of the hooves of horses and soldiers as they begin to march toward the capital of the nation of Israel because the Philistines thought this would be a great time for us to assault the kingdom of God is right in the midst of new transition. What better way for us to take down a kingdom than to do it in the infancy of its new king? And so the Philistines come against the armies of God. I want you to remember that there had just been a civil war. Their ranks were depleted. Their weaponry was depleted. And yet the Philistines come in marching anyway. I want to tell you something. Satan's not going to attack you on Sunday when everything's going good. Satan's not going to attack you when you come out of a red hot prayer meeting. But the enemy will wait until you start feeling discontented, distressed, and in debt. He'll wait until you feel weary in your well-doing. He will wait until you've been offended and there's confusion in your heart. And then the enemy will mount up an assault. Amen. For the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. They march in and the new patriotism and fervor is great and the armies of Israel push them back and defeat them so quickly that they leave their idols everywhere. The Bible said David and his men picked up these idols and they burned them. They wanted nothing to do with them. They utterly destroyed the idols of the Philistines. Amen. And then when they thought, okay, we can now finish the coronation ceremony, they realized that the Philistines did not leave, but rather they are gathering themselves together for across the horizon and over the hills there had been another garrison of Philistine troops and now they're going to come back after David. They knew that Israel had been in civil war. They knew they had just killed Israeli soldiers in that battle and surely they thought they had wounded them enough. Amen. And as the armies of the Philistines come and they are about to go to war again against David and his army and the army of Israel, David goes up before the Lord and he says to God, should I pursue them? Should I overtake them? Should I fight them? What do you want me to do? It's always a good thing to ask God if, it's, if that battle you're about to go in is worth fighting. 
Because I don't know about anybody else in here, but I can tell you that there have been battles I fought that God didn't intend to me to fight, and I wish I'd have never fought them. Amen. Don't fight battles you weren't meant to fight. Don't die on hills you weren't meant to climb. David said, God, do you want me to pursue them? And God said, no, I, I don't want you to pursue them, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to spread your men out and I want you to encompass round about them. I want you to go behind the, I want you to go behind the lines, if you were, and I want you to get around them and surround them in the dark of night. And when you get around them and you get surrounded, amen, because you don't have walkie-talkies and cell phones and things like that, I'm gonna give you a supernatural sign when it is time to attack the enemy. But I want you to know something. You're really not even going to have to attack them because I'm going to go before you. All right, God, what is it that you want me to do? I want you to hide beneath the mulberry trees. I want you to squat down. I don't want you to wear a whole lot of armor because I need you to be quiet. It's a stealth mission. I need you to hide beneath the trees, beneath the mulberry trees. And David, listen to me, son. When you hear the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, then I want you to get up and pursue after them because when you you hear that sound, you will know that I have went before you. Ah, David said uh, that God told me that there's going to be the sound of a going. When you study that word, the sound of a going, you realize it does not mean the wind blowing through the branches, but it literally means the shuffling of feet. God said, David, when you hear the shuffling of feet in the top of the mulberry trees, son, what you're hearing is the armies of the heavens, what you are hearing hearing is the host of God. What you are hearing is the angels of God. I don't know what your theology is, but I still believe in angels. I still believe in ministering spirits that are sent to minister to the heirs of salvation. He said, David, when you hear the sound of a going, when you hear the sound of shuffling in the tops of the mulberry trees, son, I want you to get after it. I don't want you to move not one second before. I don't want you to draw your sword not one minute before. You wait until the angels go before you. You wait until I go. I've come to tell Vacaville that I hear the sound of a going in the top of the mulberry trees. I can hear the flutter of angels' wings. I can hear the shuffle of feet in the top of the mulberry trees. Because oftentimes, before great victory, there's a great sound. The Bible is full of illustrations of sounds that precede great victory. It was around Jericho's walls. It was around Jericho's walls that, that God said on the seventh time when you have marched on that single day and that seventh time I want the priest I want them to put a trumpet to their lips and I want them to blow with awe 
And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then I want you to lift your voice and shout, for God hath given you the victory. And I can see it as they marched around that seventh time. And they lined up. And mamas are slapping babies for talking. And, and, and everybody's going shh around there because God said be silent. All of a sudden them priests put a trumpet to their lips and they blew that shafar, that ram's horn. And when they did, the people of God let out a sound. They let out a shout. And the Bible said the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. I don't know about you, but I hear the sound of a going. I hear the sound of a shout. I hear the sound of victory. I hear the praise. I hear the worship of Zion. I hear the people of God shouting, for God has given us the victory. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them I hear the sound of a going. I'm also reminded of the prophet Ezekiel in the valley of dry bones as he stands there in a valley full of bones that have been bleached under the scorching sun. When God says to Ezekiel, hey, can these bones live? And Ezekiel gives the greatest cop-out answer in the history of mankind when he said, God, surely thou knowest. Amen. And God said, well, yes, they can. And the Bible said that when the prophet began to prophesy that all of a sudden there was a great noise as bones begin to rattle in the dust that had been scattered to the four winds and a hip bone on one side of the valley connected to a thigh bone on the other side of the valley that connected to a knee bone and an ankle bone and a foot bone and you know how it happened when there was a sound in the valley I'm telling you there's a sound in Vacaville there's a sound in California there's a sound of bones coming together there's a sound of I hear the sound. Oh, hallelujah. Look here, somebody again, tell them I hear the sound. Come on, tell them I hear the sound. If you don't hear it yet, you're gonna hear it in a minute because the Bible tells us of another sound that preceded, amen, one of the greatest reformations of mankind and one of the greatest interventions of God's spirit upon the earth. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting cloven tongues like as a fire set up on each of them and they all began to speak with tongues as the spirit I'm preaching about a sound from heaven that's coming into this house right now there's a sound of revival there's a sound of miracles there's a sound of healing there's a sound of salvation Come on, look at somebody and tell them I hear the sound of a going. Hey Amen. Grab them, shake them a little bit and say, I hear the sound of a going. Oh, you need to say it with some volume. I hear the sound of a going. But it's not just any sound, Brother Chase. Now, when you were in the military, y'all had those walkie-talkies and radios and all of that stuff. They didn't have that in these days. Hey, man, what was important was that, that, that the military had to understand which sound. 
meant what? There were sounds for march. There were sounds for advance. There were sounds for fight. There were sounds for retreat. There were sounds for go to sleep. There were sounds for wake up. There were sounds for you need to uh, police your area. There were sounds for everything. And the apostle Paul picked up in this. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 14 and verse number 8 because we are the armies of God. He said in verse number 8 for if the trumpet give an uncertain sound who shall prepare himself for the battle? I don't know about you but I hear a clarion call. I hear a certain sound coming from heaven. I hear the sound of a going. I hear the rustling in the mulberry trees this afternoon. I hear the sound of heaven. I hear the sound of God's church. I hear the sounds of revival. There's a trumpet that's blowing that says first church. It's time to go to war. It's time to pray. It's time to rejoice. It's time to fast. It's time to advance. There's the sound of a going. Oh, go ahead if you believe that. Brother Guy, I hear the sound of a going. I hear the sound. I can't quite articulate it in human tongue, but I hear a sound. I can't quite describe it, but I hear a sound. I hear a rustling in the mulberry trees. there's a sound happening right now there's a sound happening right now you say pastor I think this is a stretch I I, I don't know if this applicable in the New Testament I, I, I don't know but I'm telling you if you are spiritual you will hear the sound that is happening in the church of the living God for some of the last words that Christ would speak that would be recorded was upon an owl called Patmos there John the Revelator in the second chapter of the book of Revelations in the seventh verse he says he that hath an ear let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God then verse 11 Jesus says it again he that hath an ear let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches in verse 17 he says it again to he that hath an ear let him hear what the spirit saith to the churches in verse 29 to he that hath an ear let him hear If that wasn't enough, in chapter 3 of the book of Revelations, in verse number 6, Jesus said it again. To he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Chapter 3, verse 13. To he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Chapter 3, verse 22. To he that hath an ear, let him hear what the... I hear the sound. Do you hear the sound? I hear the sound of a going. 
rustling in the mulberry trees. I hear the sound of a going. Come on, let he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit's saying right now. You ought to pray in the Holy Ghost and hear the sound of a going. Hear the rustling in the mulberry tree. God is moving. It's time to advance. It's not time to retreat. It's not time to back up. There is a sound of a going in the mulberry tree. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I hear the sound. I said, I hear the sound. I hear the sound of a going. I hear a rustling in the mulberry bush. I hear the sound of a going. I hear the shuffling of angels' feet. I hear the sound of revival. I hear the cry of the unborn in the church. I hear the cry of the backslider in the altar. I hear the sound of revival. I hear the sound of a going. I hear the sound of your family receiving the Holy Ghost. I hear the sound of new believers being discipled in your house. I hear the sound of a going. I hear the sound of drug addicts being set free. I hear the sound. Prophet Elijah on top of Carmel began to pray. He told his servant they'd been in a drought for three and a half years. People were dying in misery in the drought. The prophets of Baal had just been defeated. Jezebel was on the war path and Elijah goes to the top of the mountain and he begins to pray, hallelujah. He told his servant, you go to the top of the mountain. Look down yonder way toward the sea and tell me what you see. The prophet's servant comes back and says, I ain't seen nothing. He said, return again seven times. And on the seventh time, the servant comes running to the man of God. And he said, I see a cloud about the size of a man's hand. He said, you go tell Ahab to get down that mountain as fast as he can. That the rain stop him not. Why? Because the prophet said, I hear the sound of an abundance. There was blue skies, but he said, I hear the sound. There was no humidity in the air, and he said, I hear the sound. There wasn't a clap of thunder, but he said, I hear this. I'm preaching to somebody today. I hear the sound of rain. I hear the sound of a going. Come on, that's it. Go ahead. Go ahead and pray in the Holy Ghost until you can hear what the Spirit says to you. Come on, every promise God ever spoke over your life, it ain't finished. God is still working. God is still moving. There's a sound of a going. There's a rustling in the mulberry tree.
Is there anybody that hears the sound of a going? You ought to step out of your pew. Find some room in the front. Find some room in the aisle. I hear the sound of a going. I hear the sound of a rustling in the mulberry bush. I hear the sound of a rushing mighty wind. I hear the sound of rain. I hear the sounds of revival. I hear the sounds of deliverance. I hear the sounds of miracles, the sounds of salvation, the sounds of breakthrough, the sounds of healing. Come on, come on, that's it. I hear the sound of a going. I hear the sound of a going. Come on, I hear the sound of a going. I hear the sound of, come on, can't you hear it? Don't you hear the mulberry trees moving? Don't you hear the mulberry trees moving? Don't you hear the sound? Come on, I feel a jailbreak. I feel it happening. There's a deliverance. There's a healing. There's a breakthrough. There's a miracle. There's a sound of a going. Come on, that's it. You ought to move up to this front. Do you need a healing? Do you need, I'm not going to beg you. You need a breakthrough? You ought to step out. There's a going that's happening right now. There's a stirring that's happening right now. When you hear the sound, you ought to move with it. When you hear the sound, you ought to go with it. I hear the sound of a going. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. I hear the sound of a rushing mighty wind. I hear the sound of bones shaking in the desert. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.